Mm -hmm. I'm happy to be home too. Yes, girl. You can find me a New Yorkian. If that's the word, that, that's been very interesting as well. It's, it's, dating because I didn't date New Yorkers in a while, and then when I started dating New Yorkers, I'm like, you're so New York. Yeah, I love Ooh, it. you look so New York for me. You Brooklyn, 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 like, oh, like, yeah, like, you, you do know, gentrified Brooklyn. Yeah. I mean, a little yeah. bit, a little bit, a little right, bit. Right. You know, I gotta start breaking the neighborhoods down again. Yeah. Like, where you from again? Yeah. From Guanas? Uh -huh. uh -huh. Scratching my head. A little like, I need bit. a little Canarsie boo or something. I don't know. Not a Brooklyn suburban. Yeah. <laughs> like, girl, the Brooklyn's be Brooklyn in real hard. That is very true. Cool. You know, like when we be. <laughs> but hey y'all this is another episode of the heard you sis podcast it is your girl danny i'm kills and we have a special guest introduce yourself girl hi i'm natalia walker mm -hmm. and i am their special guest for today mm -hmm. um should i like give a little background about myself i mean you could you could go ahead do your thing okay so i'm natalia and i am the founder of a nonprofit organization mm -hmm. called seeds of fortune inc we're a technology company helping to empower young women of color to be able to financially empower them Oh, into their college education and their finances. But then I also have a finance company called Walker Finance, where we try to help millennials and Gen Zers get their financial life together. Mm. So yes. Me. Okay, okay. Okay. So we typically like to start the episode off and ask how your week was. So how was your week, Miss Walker? <laughs> it was crazy. Like, I feel like I live, like, multiple lives in, like, mm. one week. So... I came back from a cruise. I was telling y'all that mm. Norwegian. I'm just gonna have to give them a three I'm a out of five. Fan. I am a carnival. I like. I'm a carnival girl. Yeah, I like I'm people. a carnival girl, but I really I the perks of Royal Caribbean. I kind of enjoy. Like I feel like it's a more. Um, Luxurious, yeah. I feel it's like a step up from carnival. yes. It's a step up from carnival. The music is not like. It's, eh. Mm. Yeah. The, the parties be uh, carnival be having the vibes they with do, the parties. Man. They do. <laughs> Yo, that's the black cruise. I'm not gonna lie. I ain't gonna lie though. I did see a ship that people was hanging up their clothes on the balcony, giving a giving a little, little ghetto. ghetto. But yeah, <laughs> you know, it's a little bit. It's a little bit. Like we are not back home, girl. Put your clothes in your bag. I am cracking yeah. up. No, yeah. Yes. Norwegian has good. Like restaurants inside and the food, they have way more variety, I would say. Mm -hmm. Um, but it just I wanna be with my people more. I'm not gonna lie, you in the meeting people. I'm be confined to this boat. I wanna be with my people. Yeah. But you said three out of five. I actually heard about this other cruise called Royal I mean not Virgin. Virgin Voyage. Yo, I'm not gonna lie. It's expensive, okay. but it's fire. There's so many things to do on the boat. It's mm -hmm. insane. Mm -hmm. Top of the line food. To, I saw the rooms look like hotels. I'm like, nah, you can go to yoga in the morning, a hot steam room, mm, like massages. Everything is included. Mm. All included. Wow. I really like that because coming back from Norwegian, I don't know if it was COVID or what, but they was taxing <laughs> on everything. They mm. was like, gratuity this. This is added fee. So we missed the port. We end up getting to the port late. It was a whole way. Yeah. I've never, I've never seen that happen with I've anybody. So please, never please do seen tell. That happen either. So basically, we're on sea, you mm. know, cruising down the eastern seaboard. Then all of a sudden, <laughs> I guess a storm comes. 
the storm comes. And then we get to Orlando too late to dock. So then they had to just skip a day at Orlando. People lost their little excursion things. They couldn't go. Our family was too, you know, economically savvy. That's how I'm going to put it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To buy any excursions. So we, Prior to. You, mm-hmm. you saved the coins. We saved some coins. Mm-hmm. Then we were supposed to go to Bermuda. We ended up not going to Bermuda. What? Yeah, it was Whoa, just they're like, wilding. Did they give y'all some money back? No. So, you know, Ooh. my, you know. File a claim. Our family is we're very the- vocal. They knew us by first, middle, and last name by the time we ended the cruise. Okay. We got free laundry. Okay. We got VIP dining service. Okay. So they tried. They tried to make up for um, it. I think they should have nixed out those fees and gratuity. That we we been... got those waves. Okay. And I forgot. And I, forgot. I like to hear that. You know, and I was just a little sad because like, you know how they be making a little animal towel. Yeah, they didn't do you... that. They was mad, girl. They it was, was, mad. It was No a... chocolates. No chocolates, <laughs> girl. It was a, they struggling. They, yeah. they trying to make it work after COVID. I don't know. But mm-hmm. That was how my son, my Saturday ended. Then I went to a conference, like mm-hmm. for educators, just okay. like. But you know, it's New York, so New York got its own personality and style. So, is it is, are the conferences different in New York than it are in other places, or what? No, it's who's hosting the conference that okay. makes it different. And these were principals <laughs> in New York City, and it was so New York. It was mm-hmm. like giving me Department of Education, like Miss Shirley back in the day, rounding <laughs> us up. <laughs> Like they was really partying and educating for a cause, and I appreciated that. Okay, girl, Damon Dash was there. What? Yes, he had his pit bull on stage during his panel. I was like, this what? is real New York. Yeah. Yeah. Was, was um, Equoya there? She was. Right, that's what yeah. I post that too. But I think y'all y'all had two different type of posts. Oh yeah, <laughs> I was like, yeah. I didn't. Yeah, it was very like. And hers was more of a little like, yeah, yeah girl, I'm in here. Like, yes, you know, you know guys, knock no. if you buck. Yeah. <laughs> it was definitely knock if you buck in there. She wasn't knocking and bucking, but, but I'm just but saying, the it, vibe it showed was, more of the vibe. It I was a say. vibe. It was a whole vibe yeah. up there. And I appreciate that because I was like, you know what, you know. Coming as a New York City kid, you know, we all, you know, grew up mm-hmm. in New York and mm-hmm. our various boroughs. Forgive me for growing up in Queens. Uh, listen, if y'all don't, every single time y'all bring up Queens, I just want to say, we get the money and we have grass. Okay. We got grass too. Barely. Y'all don't even, what, what y'all got? We got houses with no grass. public transportation. And it's fine because we got cars. Some. Most of the time. We got buses too. We got dollar beans. Nobody we don't want to hear about the two of your zones. Yeah. It's too much for us. <laughs> it's we too just... much to get there, get around. It's too much. It's, it's a, a, it's a, it's a commitment. But we, yeah. know what? we forgive you guys. <laughs> well, we, it's we, okay. can, we can move on. It's all right. You're as long as queens, it's you know, all right. It's, it's all good. But um, yeah, it just like made me remember growing up in the New York City Department of Education system. The principals, <laughs> they have a lot of weight on their shoulders, they you do. know, to educate mm-hmm. these young minds. And they was letting loose and, and excited. So if Damon Dash's doggy, mm-hmm. you doggy. know, helps to keep, create the vibes, I'm here for it. And the mm-hmm. fact that he's like the type of entrepreneur slash hip hopian mm-hmm. that wants to be associated with principals in Department of Education. I thought that was kind of fly. Mm-hmm. But then that was Saturday. Then I had to go get my hair done. We were talking about how life has changed for women, black women and their hair in New York City. Uh, it, it, just in general. I think in general, I think we all as black women, like we just want to come together and boycott because y'all doing too much these days. Like 
$220 for a silk press. And then you're trying to sell me as to, oh, it's an experience. I'm experiencing the same shit I was experiencing when I was paying $60. I'm just probably waiting, you know, a little bit less, but that's about it. So I'm waiting for less wait times. Cause before you would get in there, you might have an appointment and you ain't getting out. It's an all day experience. It's all day experience. Now you get some tea. You get some tea. Yes, girl, the tea. And you know what Listen, I'm saying? You see the all day might have a little chip crumbed in your head, dude, because shorty want to eat you, and talk and do hair. But you know, you was good. But, you, but like, you know what? There are still some good salons because- Very I, rare. They got to be older. I, I actually got a plug. Thanks, Alex. You the, you the bomb. Um, Basically, I this was like my first time getting my hair done in New York. And she was really good. Like, she, she I was late. I was about 30 minutes late. I t- called mm. her before I was on my way. And I said, listen, I understand that I'm late. If you have to cancel, um, I understand. Um, but I'm on my way. She, she was, was like, older? Maybe, maybe like in her 40s. Okay. And she was like, come on, girl. Like, you know, I'm going to still do you or whatever. Nice. And she charged yeah. for us. Trauma. Hair, hair salon trauma. No, but and in the, it gave me like... Back in the day, hair salon because they in there selling clothes. Talking, they I, love talking. It. I love they it. Like, I they love like, it. This one guy he came up and he gave me, he showed me this dress and he was like, "I you this." I said, "That might I don't, be me. It might be me." Everybody in the salon was like, "Girl, you should try it on." I'm like, "Chill <laughs> out." I'm like, "She like you know, somebody else come away." You don't want to buy nothing? You don't want no clothes? You don't want no sunglasses? Oh, I got some good designer earrings. And I'm just like, damn, this is like a warm hug. Like being in the salon and it's not too stuck up or stuffy or overly expensive. Like Mm. she charged me a good price to to do like a halo. If you know what a halo is, when you have short hair, it's like you perm all around the edges. Install my color um, to to do a, a treatment and style it and cut it. We need a price. What's the grand One twenty. Whoa. Okay. Because you know, if you you be leaving out three hundred, four hundred dollars. Yeah. Listen. So, Wait a minute. Not even paid a quarter. Yo. And then on top of it, like premier service. Like she was so nice, so sweet. Like. And I was just like, you know what? Can't wait to see you in two weeks, girl. Because I'm definitely coming back. What, what like, did you tip her? I tip a ten dollars. Okay, I'm a, I'm a ten dollar tip. I think it's I'm a fair. I'm a ten. I have a ten. And that's why I brought it up, girl, because you gotta graduate. You gotta graduate to ten. We come on with the times. My mother be saying the same thing. She be like, "Oh, I gave her five dollars, and she feels so confident about it." I'm like, girl, that this is, is a, not this enough. This is a lot for me because I never even used to be a tip. I said, "I'm not even paid you to do your job. Now I gotta <laughs> pay you more." Yeah, but they the- had stayed late. I told you they had stayed late. I do love my hair salon though, okay. Classic Beauty Studio and Best Styles mm-hmm. on Fulton Street. How much do they charge you? She charges me one fifty for con- like treatment, silk press, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I do like them. But I was running a little behind, a little tardy, and I, and I had to go to another salon. But I feel like they. I'm moving on from my salon, so maybe I can come to yours. I don't really necessarily want to. I'm, I'm, I want to pay one twenty. That's what I want to pay. You're washing. You're conditioning, you're throwing me under the blow dryer, and then you're blow drying my hair, and then you're straightening it, and then you're not even the one washing it. It's like, what are we doing? But the thing is that I feel like with natural hair, there is a little bit of an upcharge because it's a lot, a little bit more work. Like, you see, I have- When a- it was dying and frying my hair, it was $60. But you see, 
the cost of living in New York was not as much as it is now. I'm not paying for your lifestyle, but that's that's great and everything. <laughs> I'm paying for you to do my but, motherfucking. But, and but that's not, that's change. A, that's the, my chair has not changed. Just to even piggy, that's not a fair thing to do because when you go to your job, they have to pay you at least so you can survive. Like, you can't go to your job and be like, yo. It's inflation right now. Up my pay. You can't say that. You gotta that's work true. with what you that's got true. going you on. And there's so much. Like how we went from eight. I would love to tell them presses to almost double the price. Like like inflation ain't even double like that. Like, I know. Yeah. But let's get you know. Let's get into you, girl. So I want to talk about how you started your. Uh, I mean, how you started seeds. So seeds was an adventure to say the least. Like I did not, I prayed about it actually mm-hmm. because I was in high school. I was trying to figure out how to navigate high school, whatever. But then I was trying to figure out how to pay for college. And then once I applied to college and I started getting the little, you know, get the acceptance letters, you're like, yeah, I'm going to yeah. be successful in life. Right. And then <laughs> they that's like, the end of the journey. And that's the, just the beginning. That's like, just the tip of the iceberg. They're like, here goes your bill. <laughs> And I was like, all right, 50,000, cool, Ma, you got it, right? Here you go, <laughs> boom. And she headed it right back to me. She was like, no, you got it, right? <laughs> yes. And I was like, oh, no, this is really bad. Um, I don't know what I'm going to do. So I used to be a Girl Scout back in the day. You know, mm-hmm. shout out to Girl Scouts. Love it. And one of the troop leaders, Phyllis D. Pearson, she actually was like a scholarship guru. So she taught her daughter how to get, she got $150,000 to go to Spelman. And I rolled up on her daughter. I was like, hey, like, how'd you do that? Like, I didn't even know college cost $150,000. Put me on. And she was like, actually, my mom is the person. Like, she 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 the plug. So when I went to her mom, I was like, hey, I'm ambitious. I want to do this. I want to go to college. I want to get a scholarship. She worked with me for six weeks in the Brooklyn Public Library. That's dedication. That was dedication. That was dedication. And like, um, once I like figured out, that's when the first time I kind of figured out there was a system to life. Like, you don't just go from like A to B, C, D, D. Like, (laughs) there was some steps to it. And also about branding and marketing yourself. Because that's what she was really teaching me over those six weeks. Like, this is what you did. Like, this is how you present it to the interviewers, to a scholarship committee to show that you're the best person. So I ended up getting a full ride to my alma mater, Babson. Just putting it out there. If you don't know what Babson is, it's a cute little college in Massachusetts. <laughs> and they are known for entrepreneurship. And I always wanted to be an entrepreneur, like, or, or in business, media, real estate, entertainment, which kind of like all unfolded itself eventually. But loved Babson. It was a great experience for the most part. Mm-hmm. And... I was able to get a full tuition scholarship there. But once I went to Babson, I realized that if I didn't know there was already a wealth gap, like I really realized it there. Because, mm. you know, before I'm one of my um good friends, Asha, she created this documentary called Before They Was Kill. You know, that <laughs> came to Brooklyn. Right. Yeah. It was a little struggling. Okay, we were struggling. True. Like our buildings was burnt down. That like is. we was running these streets. We was running from bullets. Like mm-hmm. yes, it was. it was a lot going on. Like whew, I'm glad we all made it, guys. Yeah, I'm Way low key. Yeah, I'm glad we made it out. And when I went to Babson, it was located in Wellesley, and Wellesley is like one of the richest zip codes in the country. So like literally, really? there's like a mansion every per square mile, and our our college campus is like in the middle of it. So I would be coming home back and from home and school. And seeing, like, there's just... It's a stark difference. Yeah, like, there's yeah. so many people that have so much wealth. Also, like, a lot of my classmates were also very wealthy. They came from, like, second-generation, third-generation families, like, the camp bells and all these things. And I was just like, this is crazy. Like, what if 
we had access to this knowledge and information. And because of my church, I did have basic financial literacy kind of learnings and understandings. But then, you know, you get to college, like, now you're rolling with the big dogs. I know. But, but also what I saw was that a lot of the minority students on campus also didn't have, like, a very solid financial, like, education. And then it was the tip of the iceberg. We came home from summer, and one of my good friends from high school, she said she had to leave her college in Virginia because she couldn't afford to stay. And her parents could only afford the first year of school. So wow. then I started, I was like, damn, like, what if I didn't meet Miss Pearson? Like, me and my mom actually sat down and financially planned college out. Like, okay, year one, I'm going to do this. Year two, she said, I got this much money, make it work. Like, And we just like worked it out for the four years of how we're going to do it. I got other scholarships and things of that nature. But I just felt like, wow, like, if I didn't meet Miss Pearson, I would happen to be a Girl Scout. Like, where is that for the girls coming up underneath us? So that's kind of like how Seeds got started. And it just started evolving like from there. And then I also thought like growing up in like Bed-Stuy, Clinton Hill. Then I went over to um, Midwood, Canarsie. and just learned all the neighborhoods of Brooklyn. But the theme I felt like was community. And like people like, how are you? Like people that are not like born or raised in New York. They're like, New York just seems like such a like place. Like there's no community. But our community was very strong. And they was not playing with us. Like, that is true. They <laughs> wanted us to be successful. Miss Joyce. Like, yes. We, like, have, we definitely, um, I feel like, I feel fortunate to, to, to know a lot of black women that were successful, right. that had, you know, <clears throat> stuff going on, that were actually wanting and able to help, you know, right. to progress and get you to that point that where they are. So like, um, you know, like, you know, people just see that as like, oh yeah, I know this person, but like, that's really a blessing. Like some people really have not yeah, been blessed to know people of that, of that nature. So yeah. You know, I felt like it was like girlfriends, like the show, like yeah. playing out in real life, mm-hmm. like for us. So I felt like, well, what is the girls for the next generation going to have, you know? So I was like, all right. I was a senior, going into my senior year of college, and I was like, let me just pilot it and test it out and see if it works. So I got three girls from the community and kind of replicated the things Miss Pearson taught me and taught it to them. And at the end of our first like pilot, it wasn't even an organization, it was mm-hmm. just like a compilation of some things like mm-hmm. I had like all my college friends, yeah, like zoom in and do well, it wasn't even zoom, I think it was Skype back in the day. Mm-hmm. Lord, don't date definitely me. Skype. It was definitely <laughs> Skype. Had them Skype into the library and teach the girls and like my my um peers in my college, like in my dorm room, we was like editing their essays. And that's kind of how it started, like grassroots, like let's help these girls out. And then I feel like the girls made it become like so much more than that. Yeah. Do you feel like they were like telling other girls about it as well, like word of mouth kind of thing, or you feel like it was more outreach on your? End? I want to tell a little tale about killing me, but we used to be <laughs> um, in this Zeta program called mm-hmm. Zeta Phi Beta Sorority Incorporated program called Arcanets. So I went back to the Arcanets and I told them like, oh, I want to create seeds or whatever. So that's where most of the first seeds came from. They right, were like, like Ms. Keisha exactly. Mm-hmm. They were Arcanets, and then you know other community girls. One, okay, the fortunate thing about us, you know, I don't Twitter our haunts in Brooklyn, but you know, too, too, you know, <laughs> a, ton, a lot of times when you have like girls that are like Nixie or like those leaders, like mm-hmm. they attract other girls or other girls that, that are be, be mm-hmm. like them. So like once we had like Brianna, um, which is one of our close friends, Shayla's sister, like girls in their high school, like wanted to be like Brianna. So they found out about Seeds and then they wanted to sign up. The Arcanets, I don't know mm-hmm. what it is with a little magic, but they be the yeah, lit girls <laughs> in school and stuff like that. So like a lot of the girls, they came from a high school called Brooklyn College Academy. So mm-hmm. then we started getting, and then like three or four of them was on the cheer 
cheer team. Then all of a sudden we had like 50% of the cheer team in our program. So that's kind of how it like kind of manifested. So we had to like outreach, but then also the girls were like kind of like making it. It was like a mix. Yeah, making it their own. But I think like the moment I was like, okay, I knew we had something, but then by the like third class, they were like, oh my God, it was like Kaplan, like SAT prep, like you come, <laughs> you come to class, I'm gonna teach you how to get these scholarships. All right, go on home. Yeah. And then it was like, I don't even know this girl's name next to me. Like, I wanna know her. Like we be we're in class. Like more of a community. Yeah. Like yeah, we're a community. Like we were in class, like trying to get this money for college. And I wanted to be a community. Then they started calling themselves seeds. And they're like, yeah, because I'm a seed. And I'm like, that's right, y'all see. So then they started to like build what it was gonna become. Like they told me what they wanted from it. And then the first two classes went to college. And then they kept coming back to seeds. And I was just like, okay, what is going on here? They was just like, we're trying to get internships for college. We don't know how to do our resume for college. And I was just like, all right, we need to continue. We need to follow them. We need to stay with them forever. <laughs> and then we created because you built a network for them yeah. yeah we built a network so I was just like oh my this is so crazy so then we built Seed University where we were following them through college and that was a wild ride and <laughs> that was that was because then I only I had just graduated college myself so we was kind of all like raising each other it was a it gets crazy it they revolted yeah. how do you feel thing. like how do you feel like your experience at a PWI was I wanted a predominantly white institution experience. Like, okay. I love growing up in Brooklyn. I love my community. Love your people. I love but... my people, but my neighborhood was all black. My middle school was all black. My high school was very diverse. And I think that's what gave me a taste of like, wow, like I love learning about like what the Russians are doing. What are the Asians doing? Like, <laughs> what are the Hispanics doing? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. and then how that all kind of came together to make like this molting pot in our high school. So mm-hmm. I had like a thirst to like, go to college and like learn about life outside of like what my like incubation was but I'm not gonna lie like when I first got to college I was kind of shocked at like the amount the the small amount of black black people people that that go there so like at Babson particularly at that time it's better now but my class there was a hiccup in my class because the other class years also have pretty what would be considered bigger classes. Mm-hmm. But there was 12 black people in my freshman class out of what? 500 freshmen. That's crazy. Man. It was very crazy. And like, I had like a little bit of like a complex for a second for like the first month or two of college. Mm-hmm. One, cause people would not talk to me in my dorm house. I was the only black girl in my dorm house. They told me I was loud. I was like, I didn't say ghetto, but like mm-hmm. all the things that can like, the the what is it past like the passive aggressive yeah thing. microaggression microaggression yes though. microaggression they wouldn't invite me to the birthday parties because birthdays are a big thing on Baptist campus like mm-hmm. every person's birthday you get a big surprise they throw you a surprise party like I didn't get invited to no surprise parties I was just like damn like this is really sucks mm-hmm. but that's when I realized like my scholarship that I got why it was important I was like okay when we were doing our, when we all got our scholarship together, 10 people get the scholarship to the school from New York. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, okay, I'm going to find my real friends when I get to college. It was really <laughs> nice knowing y'all. And then I was like, one, two, three. <laughs> That's it? <laughs> y'all my friends. Y'all my friends. So like they built in a support system, but really I had to have a conversation with myself because coming from New York, coming from Brooklyn, I also feel like people from different cultures in New York are very open-minded because we're like in a metropolis. Mm-hmm. New York is a very unique place than the rest of the country. Unified. Like mm-hmm. you're getting people from like, not saying people in Kentucky are not because open-minded. We were, talking, we were just talking about that before we came in. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like in other, I didn't realize, but like when I 
like went to school in Maryland, like you only see black and white people. Like yeah. I'm like, where are the Asians? Where are you know Everybody's the Middle Eastern people? Like where are they? And if I see one, I'm like, oh, there's no Spanish people. I'm like, and I see, I'm like, oh my god. It's a Spanish person. It's a Spanish <laughs> restaurant. Oh my God, we got to get that food. Like, you know, it's just like, it's, it's not. It's yeah. so rare. It's crazy. It's And me just moving back from Baltimore, like I was telling my mom, I'm like, you know, she's like, everybody's like, Yo, how does it feel to be back home? I'm like, it's like a warm hug. Like you go to work, you're on your way to work and you're just like, Oh, I'm not mad that this person just butt me. Yeah, it's I'm not, all right. I'm not annoyed I'm that this person, but I'm good. I, you know, you know, I'm not the senator. Like you just, it just feels like you're home because it's like you're you're around everybody. You know, you know that everybody understands it's the same concepts. Y'all all are all trying to get somewhere. It's the, so, it's the same culture. Yeah, and yeah. Like, you know what? I love that you said that because it was going into a different culture, and mm-hmm. I would say it was going into what would be more mainstream white culture. And I think what I didn't realize when I was leaving my high school was that as diverse as we were, we were still a heavy amount of black people too. No, I would go back to my black community. Mm. That's what it was. So like, yeah, I would be like, it's more, <laughs> yeah, I would be in this multicultural no outlet. It's no outlet. Like you live in, in dominant white society and your culture is the subculture, which is not even a sub sub of the sub of the subculture. Um, so, and then you're representing like people from your background on this campus. So I had a little bit of complex, like I, Started wearing weaves, straight mm-hmm. weaves, because I wanted my hair to be long. Like I started like sub, like subduing my like kind of personality a little bit. I remember when um, it was my 18th birthday, and I brought all my girls to my scholarship picnic, and I was like, "Yeah, like you know, this is you know, Natalia, I'm Natalia. This is Dantea, Shayla, Akila. Like you know, <laughs> blah, blah blah." They was like, "Okay, like a real multicultural, you know." And then I had to have a talk with myself during Thanksgiving break because I was getting kind of down. I was like, damn, like this is about to be a long four years for me. And I was like, Natalia, you know, you have to show up as your true authentic self wherever you go. And if they don't like you, they don't like you. You're exhausted, girl. You burnt out being somebody you're not. Yeah. And then yeah. I had a homeboy, um, Daquan, and he was the only black... Well, he was like one or two. Julian was another black um, person. He was in my posse. And we were just like, you know what? Like, we're just going to run this campus how bring our culture to this campus, like who we are, our dynamics, our backgrounds. And I will tell you, my shift in myself was what changed other people's perspective of me on campus. And Because like, you know, you exuded confidence. Maybe you didn't feel it, but you probably exuded it after the fact of having that realization, though, you know? You know? Sometimes you have to But you've always down. been like a bubbly person, so, yeah. so, yeah. so I can't imagine how that is. Yeah, like, and it's not even like it's like off-putting. It's more of like friendly, so... For them to be being like that, they was being stink. They was hating on a kid. They was hating on me. They was hating on me. But you know, you always gotta make them love. You know, spread love is the Brooklyn way. You know what I'm trying to say. So by the end of it, everything was good. But I think that was like the biggest adjustment for me. And then also, I think the second part was that to acknowledge that I was changing as well. Like these, all these beliefs that I had coming from like Brooklyn, being a New York kid, being an African American person, and going into white culture and living amongst white culture is gonna change you. So it's like, girl, mm. you like the zoot 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 music yeah. now. It's okay. <laughs> you like it. Like I was mm. having like a complex with myself. Like, <laughs> you like the zoot zoot zoot. You know, <laughs> like next yeah. time they're like, tum, 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 tum. I'm like, 
My what heart starts this? skipping a little beats I'm now dead. when I'm an adult. Like, no, I'm not gonna lie. I, I was like always it. into that. I, I love it. Lie. I always love it. Yeah, like I'm gonna play what I play, but like it's cool. It's just like you know, I I do feel That's like music. I do like feeling comfortable with my people though. Like not saying that I'm uncomfortable, but I do notice there's like sometimes like a cultural difference or whatever the case may be. But like when I'm at work, I really like I really truly realize that like okay, like you know. It's definitely a little different here, but like I don't mind it. Like you know, I don't care. But like I, I do get that. Like you do have that comfortability of like, hey, you guys, it's fun. We're having fun at work. But like, bitch, I'm going home to my friends. Yeah, you know. You know like, I, but I've I've realized that even in any work environment that I've been in, that they, um, you know, I tend to flock to like people of color. Right. And I've noticed that people who are not of color get a little offended by that. And it's just like, what? Y'all flocking to who y'all like? like? No, not necessarily though. That's the thing. Like, you know, like, I don't know what, well, in my workplace, like somehow, some way they find me very intriguing. Um, And so like, you, you know, they be at my intriguing. desk. I be like, I'm not saying that they're not flocking to me. What I'm saying. No, I'm not is- saying that. I'm not saying it's like a thing, but I'm just saying like, you know, I just had to, I had to like low key embrace it. Cause it's like, you know, like what I'm going to do be like a bitch. Like, and I, it's not that I don't like you, but it's just, this is just different from me. And I have to like find a way to like acclimate to the environment. It's, it's thing. crazy because I'm not, now I'm not, I'm like, Hey girl, you want to go out to lunch? Like I'm actually like, you know, it's crazy because I, I, I'm opening that, like, um, I'm opening that uh I guess box, Pandora's box. Cause mm-hmm. I at my last job we were all like of we were all minorities. So okay. it's like, you know, I'm surrounded by minorities, so I feel comfortable. Now I'm in everybody's is different. And um, you know, I'm embracing new things. It's just that like it, it's it's kind of weird because like even culturally things that are done are uncomfortable for me. Like, you know, like say if um it's okay to talk rude to someone, but in my household, we don't do that. We don't, we're not rude to each other. So if, even if you're playing and you're being rude, it's just like, it's off-putting. It's like, well, we don't know each other. Like, this is so interesting. Cause like, for me, I feel like because like I had to live amongst like white culture and things of that nature. And now, like when I was going into the workforce, like, it's kind of like, whatever, like, I don't really see that anymore. I don't feel that way anymore mm-hmm. necessarily. <laughs> So I feel like that was like a good crash course. Like, I okay. feel like yeah, I feel like it was a good crash course. Yeah. Like, because when you're like twelve or five hundred, like you feel the you feel yeah. it, you feel it in the incubation. So like now, any other environment, I feel like it was a good training ground for real life. And I feel like that's why I also wanted to leave home, mm-hmm. see what other places were like, see what other people's mindsets were like. So I feel like it really set me up for success. I have not really worked in a predominantly black environment. For most of my career, until like probably now that I have that I do seeds full time, like a per- I but the created like the do culture. Bring around though, like you know, you are what you attract, and I will say that the people that you bring around, they are a good time. Like they are a good, good time. Like I never feel like oh, who is this white girl or whatever the case may be. It, it's really like always a good time. So I will say that though, like it just it more so has to do with i just think your personality and what you attract like you know so i think so too and yeah. i and i was like thinking that too and i was like you got to have your allies you know yeah. because like <laughs> yeah. when i was like in my freshman year my roommate like at first we was like kind of like similar personalities we was like all right this is the line this is the room 
this is my stuff. Don't touch it. Okay. Yeah. This is your stuff. I'm going to touch your stuff. Okay. <laughs> Great. I'm glad we have that understanding. Then maybe like a month into school, a month and a half into school, I was like, hmm, she's kind of quirky. I like that. And she was like, oh, you're kind of quirky. I like that. And then we became friends. Then all of a sudden, like by October, we're dancing on our dorm room dressers. Mm-hmm. Like I learned, I taught her how to twerk. Okay. Like, you know, That's we learned the Dougie in the dorm room. <laughs> she's teaching me her culture. And we have a cultural diffusion now you know mm-hmm. like level setting so i will say like be open-minded finding your people you know no matter what race or background they are like i feel like especially like we had my 30th birthday party cruise i'm like yes. trying to figure out how i'm gonna how am i gonna level up from this for 31 <laughs> i don't know i feel the pressure <laughs> but i feel like there was just like different everybody from different backgrounds cultures obviously it really was black, but, but we like had a good old time had a yes. good time sure did. you know but I would say for me, when I was like navigating corporate America, when I worked there, the hardest time I think I had was like, I don't even think it really came down to race. Mm-hmm. It came down from more like performance and like, mm-hmm. like, I'm not going to lie. I was underperforming. Like mm-hmm. everything they said on my little evaluation sheet, mm-hmm. it was true. <laughs> it was true. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I did do that. I did make that mistake. But I feel like, okay, maybe they were being a little harsh because like, especially early in your career, you're still learning. You're still right. trying to navigate. You're still trying to figure it out. And, you know, when I got laid off, I was really upset. Like, I mm. think that, I feel like I was really traumatized by that. But I feel like you took it so well though. Like, I mean, like not even took it well because you definitely were like, what the fuck am I about to do? But like, I think, because you're also used to being stable. You know, and having a plan and that plan working out, like, you know, and so. it was really not working out no yeah, matter so, what I did. But I feel like, you know, I feel like you 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 tried and you made it happen, though. Like, yeah. you had another step come, like, not too long after, you know, and you, you made it work, you know? Yeah. But things happen in life, though, where it shakes you up. And so I feel like that maybe that was that moment for you, you know? Yeah. You know, I appreciate that because I feel like that as well. And I feel like, honestly, it was, like, on my kind of going back to seeds and, like, my journey of, like, financial empowerment, whatever, I think it, like, helped me catapult. And kind of, like, when I had to have a talk with myself freshman year of college, this was, like, my young adult talk to myself. Mm -hmm. One, I was a very high performer the year before in a different role. And then I transitioned to this new role, and I just was not doing well. Like, it just wasn't clicking. It was too many little attention to details. Mm -hmm. I learned that about myself. Girl, you the attention to detail. Okay. (laughs) Like, it's not working out, you know? But then I was like... It was a $50,000 a year job. And I was just like, I was working so hard, working late hours, trying to impress my boss, trying to like, we call it an entire fire situation. Like, no, I can make this work. Yeah. Like, I can make this. And it was just not working. Like, I remember one Valentine's Day with my ex. Like, I was late to Valentine's Day because she wanted me to go and edit a PowerPoint deck. It was like a 90 slide deck. It was crazy. Mm. And I was just like, girl, you will never work this hard for $50,000 again. again right. Secondly, the other thing they said when I like was laid off was, we wish you loved this job just as much as you love seeds. And I was just like, that Y'all is- some haters. What's going on? I was just like, that's so crazy. So like when I went to my next employer, I let them know up front. I was like, I learned a lot of things about myself and about corporate America, honestly. And as a black person in corporate America, how to navigate situations moving forward. And with my next employer in my interview, I was interviewing them too, because I feel like- especially in media and entertainment. A lot of people mm-hmm. don't want to say this, but it's very hard 
as a black person to get a job in media and entertainment, even though we're influencers of the culture. Mm-hmm. And once you get in, you it's we're you want to stay. Gatekeepers of it, like yeah. you're not the gatekeepers. So like the business of entertainment, and that's when I got in. That's what I got into after college. Is very Caucasian heavy, and to get your spot, you're fighting for your spot. Also, it's something that a lot of people want to do. Mm-hmm. So because it's a very like sought after career, it's very hard to get into it. Once you're there, you're kind of doing anything to kind of stay and keep your position. So I was working that hard for fifty thousand dollars. No, and also I wasn't really interviewing the employer. They were interviewing me. Yeah, I just kind of learned that not too long ago. Like, you yeah. can't, you just can't not say anything. It's not all, because this is, I really realized this and it took me a while. This is a a mutually beneficial relationship. Like, yes. this 100%. is not one-sided. Like, I'm working to get you to a specific place and I, and you know what I'm saying? And you are offering me an opportunity to get to a specific place. So mm-hmm. it's just like, it's not just oh, I need a job. I need money. And I also had to like reel that in with the employers. Like I've heard like them say things that just were like pretty off putting. And I, and that's what it clicked to me. It was like, well, like I'm an asset too. Like, you know, like Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not just here to like work and just, you know, just be a body. Um, so that, but I do want to ask you though, like, was, how did you navigate that? Cause I feel like certain things I just don't want to say, like, I don't want people to know that I drive. I want you to think that I'm taking public transportation. I don't want you to think that I have a home. Right. Like, no, seriously. Like, I just like, feel like, like keeping a separate, I guess, with, like work life, like work. And, like if we're work cool, home, I would say certain and... things, but like outside of that, I just find that. It's just something that comes with, like, for example, like, I never tell people that I drive at work, like, you know, and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm like, yeah, you got to take this train, this bus, yeah, sometimes, and I'm speaking, not because I'm lying, I'm speaking from a time where I was taking the bus every day. So, like, yeah, that bus doesn't run like that, and whatever, I see my coworker, I see my coworker, whatever, I'm at the light, he's crossing the street, I'm like, what the fuck? Can you see you through the light? He saw me. He looked me dead in my eye. Girl, he came to the passenger side and everything. Like, I was like, leave me the fuck alone. He's like, I can't. And he's like, what's up, girl? And I'm like, I wish that you didn't see me just now. Like, I really do. Like, I really do. And every single time I have seen him, this was a week ago, he always brings up that he saw me in the car. And it was like, he's like, yeah. Now, Now I had him... I had a potential, I was trying to bring on like a new customer or whatever. And I had him give me like a, I had him come with me like on the tour, not necessarily, but I had him meet me somewhere in the building after I was like a certain portion of the tour. And like, he's like, um, you know, afterwards he's like, yeah, he's like, um, I need some of that commission. He was like, yeah, he was like, I hope you get the deal. And I'm thinking to myself of like, if you would have never saw me, and maybe this is a reach, maybe this is a reach, but he's never brought up anything. He's did like three to four tours with me already. He's never brought up commission. commission. He's never brought up anything. You don't know what I get paid. I don't know what you get paid, nor do I care. And so it's like, now it's like a thing now. Like now you probably like, I don't know. I just this didn't like so that. I feel like interesting. I feel okay. like he's making a correlation to like- Like you having a car. Me having, having a car to like having more and more money. money. Yeah. Like, is that so it's why just like, you feel like- like you're like keeping things under wrap because you don't want your colleagues to know you I might just, be a little bit more. I, no, <laughs> I just want us to all feel like the same playing field. Like I want us to have certain, com- I want us to have the same conversations that we were having before you knew I, I, I maybe I had more or not 
and I don't want, I don't know what comes with that. That's that's what it is. The fear of the unknown. So like mm-hmm. now that he knows that I drive, it's mm-hmm. like now you're associating things that don't need to be associated. Cause let's be like, you don't even know how I got this car. Cause it wasn't me. It was my dad. He helped me. Thank you, daddy. I appreciate it. Like it's you know? it's crazy that she's yeah, saying like, that. Yeah, like you don't even know what's going you know, on. It's, like it's crazy that she's saying that because um I often like to keep my personal life private. From, from work. work. From work because okay. I feel like when people know too much, they end up starting to use it against you or they start really? they start prying, they start doing too much. Like um when I, I just started this job, you know, somebody was asking me, Oh, they like, Oh, were you coming to New York for um what made you move back to New York? And I said, Um, I was coming back and forth to New York to do a lot of business and I just figured it was time for me to, you know, move wow. back. So she's like, Oh, is it more is it more than that? Like, are you sure that's is that the only reason? I'm like, yes, it's the only reason. She's like, what's this business you have going on? It's just something me and my friend go has going on. What are you and your friends doing? We just we record. What do you record? Like she's prying now and it's getting on my nerve because I'm not trying to be rude. I'm new. I'm trying to be nice. So um I like Daniela like step back a little yeah, bit. Like, Show you like and, I, and I'm giving you less and less details because usually if you give people less and less details, they'll most people they'll understand hands yeah. off and realize that they, you don't want to talk about it. So she's like, What do you record? And I'm like, it's a podcast, but I would prefer I would prefer to keep it separate from work. That was the end of the conversation. Like, you're asking too many questions because the thing is that, like, you know, what I do on the side has nothing to do with y'all. What I'm doing, it probably never going to intertwine because we're probably not going to be friends because I really, I really believe, like, I I have tried work friends before and I like I've met some people that I really feel like may be a good friend, but the one situation that the most recent situation kind of scarred me, and I'm like, mm, don't know if I want any more work friends. Kind of weird. Like, this is so. Not, how do you feel I like you? Know. Yeah, that's why I'm asking. Like, I'm so like, how do you feel like oh, you. I feel like. How do you navigate that? One, I feel like some of my close good friends came from work because me mm. with these people. For hours on mm-hmm. end. Like, literally, I've probably seen people at work more than I've seen, like, some of my family members. Mm-hmm. So, like, I feel like you got to have some camaraderie. Like, I feel like... I do have... I'm mm-hmm. not saying that. I'm not saying yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand. I have, like, like two, the transparency two work level. friends. Out of all the people that work there, I have two work friends. I'm not saying work friends, like, aren't a thing. But I'm saying those people... I have built that way. She's so we them. actually took like we hung out yesterday when me and my my coworker turned friend. Like you know, okay, so. okay. I don't. I'm like thinking. Okay, so there's two sides to this coin. So when I was first working at Viacom, now Paramount, mm-hmm. like I feel like I definitely spent a lot of time with these people, and like some of them too. Like especially when you start joining, like I feel like corporate is like set up kind of like. Uh, honestly, this is a great example. But you are forced to be social sometimes. Like you have mixers. So yeah, this yeah. is what I, you know. Like, I was just about know? to say. So it it honestly reminds me of college, and this is why I felt like it was like a good training ground. Like boom, boot camp for the real world. Because like when we when going to a predominantly white institution, you have like the BSU, the Black Student Union. You have the mm-hmm. Latino Student Organization. You have the Asian Student Organization. Like I feel like corporate is kind of set up the same game. You got like, your, clicky. Your lay, no your lay, level playing field. Everybody has their position, right? Mm-hmm. Then, depending on how big your corporation is, they probably have something like an employee resource group or something like that where all the blacks get together, all Latinos get together. And that's where you start to like intermingle because it's very beneficial for your career to be amicable with people at work. That mm-hmm. is Especially very Especially like people that are power players. Mm-hmm. There's also um, salary transparencies 
And then just for your own mental health, you just need to know, like, mm-hmm. and also because you're at work most of the time, I would say there's a lot of personal things that people at work knew. And when I was saying before, when I went to my new employer at Insider, like I interviewed them as well. So I let them know up front, like, I have this nonprofit that I run. It's Seeds of Fortune. Like, it's very important to me. How do you feel about that? They're like, we love that. I was like, okay. <laughs> We're on money. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. And then some some of the answers maybe that I'll give during the interview may also be like a little personal to see like how 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 far can we go? How deep are we in this with mm-hmm. each other, you know? And then also what they reveal about themselves in the interview as well and how their interview processes go. So it was like three rounds of interview. The final interview was with the founder and CEO of their organization. Every corporation is not going to be like that. Maybe it's like the VP or the SVP or something like that. But what they tell you about themselves, like he grew up in Midwood. I was like, really? Yeah. I was like, I went to Murrow. He was like, that's crazy. Like I know Murrow. Like, and I was like, you know, I like gave him like little pieces of like my identity just to see like, what kind of culture is he having at his type of job? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, at his type of corporation that he created. Um, so I feel like that provided a level of comfort for me. And then I felt like I learned a long time ago that that little pep talk I had myself freshman year, showing up as your authentic selves. Because at work, you, since you spend the most time there, like there's going to be things that happen in life that you cannot control that happen when you're in that the workplace. That is very true. My mom... One time she's having a little bit too much, a lot going on or whatever. And she ended up um, actually like um, hurting her head and getting a, a mini like blood uh, bleed. And I had to go to work, right? And I was like crying in the little booth because like life was really happening. And like my coworkers, they were just so understanding and kind. Like they tried to like distribute like the work while I was out. And I felt like, wow, like I remember, you know, I was with my ex. He was a little crazy yeah. at times. <laughs> he was driving me up the wall. And I remember like... He said something to me that rocked my whole day. And I just had told one of my coworkers, Sumner, I was like, Sumner, girl, I cannot tell you everything that's going on right now, but I'm really need to go home now. And she was like, you know what I'm saying? I got you. I was like, okay, girl. <laughs> and like, I think having those type of relationships really help you to grow. Yeah. And when I had, um, when I start, seeds started getting bigger, one, they love when I made the Forbes list. They love, like, they're, like, one of our employees is on Forbes. Like, they were, like, able to, like, kind of shout mm-hmm. that out for themselves. Two, like, I would go to senior level management and be, like, oh, like, casually having conversation. How was your weekend or whatever? Or sometimes I would stay late and senior management also stays late as well. Mm-hmm. So then we would really, like, learn about their lives. Like, what's going on? Like, what keeps you up at night? What's going on with your wife? What's going on with your kids? Because I feel like... When they know you, like, it makes people want to vouch for you more. And my mm-hmm. last manager, we were actually friends before because we sat next to each other in our cubies. Mm. And then she ended up getting a promotion becoming my manager. So she had knew me very personally, right. but then she also knew my work ethic as a coworker. Mm-hmm. So she would go in and vouch for me to get, like, stretch projects, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera, because she knew, like, I'm going to bring the heat. She probably like liked me a little bit more than she liked some other people too. Not so mm-hmm. not nepotism or anything right. like that. But I feel like having those more personalized relationships yeah. definitely helped my career move forward. And honestly, even at Viacom slash Paramount, when I was supposed to get fired, honestly, I probably was supposed to get fired like six months before. before. <laughs> like literally, like <laughs> buying time with with, with the personalities and friends. Like they're like, damn, we don't really want to fire this high because she's so sweet <laughs> and like she really trying, you know. Yeah. And I probably it probably like gave me like another six months or something. So I feel like bring your full self, bring your personality, I could definitely bring in, that. and then you can like obviously I'm not gonna tell because I curtail. I do because I curtail. 
Like it's not that I'm not telling people. You know, you gotta, you gotta know, you gotta know. You gotta gauge it. You know what to gauge. It's it's definitely true because um, this is like I said, this is a new job for me, so I'm definitely like you know just filling out the scene. But my old job, I'm not gonna lie, like I miss them. Like my old boss, like she, there were sometimes I really messed up, like, and I definitely feel what you're saying about that. They're not necessarily my friends, but I definitely felt a level of camaraderie, being yourself, being authentic, having a certain level of like transparency. Because we would all have like random conversations, but we would also like, you know, if somebody needed help, whatever, like me just going through what I went through the last six months, I can't even lie. My team was really like, they were really, like my manager was really, really amazing. And I really love her, like, because she really held it down. So it's like, just thinking about that, that's very true. It's very true. It's just in this new environment, I'm moving back to New York. I'm kind of- trying to navigate it. You got to navigate it, you gotta it, it and out. realize, and realize like, you know, everything's not going to be the same. Like you can't expect- yeah. The same, I and, and I, I got a real quick shocker to that. Like, and I'm just like, because I feel like I'm not. Okay. I'm not gonna lie. What are you thinking? What are you thinking? I do feel like having a good work environment is like, um, is a gem. It's a gem because a I gem. I speak to a lot of people about their work environments, and it's like, ooh, she did what, and talk to you like what? Oh, what she yeah, you know, like so. I think that um, I think. It's appreciated is is what I would kind of and you know say about that. I would say first in the first ninety days everybody's filling out everything right? right like I feel like that's any kind of even for me at seeds I'm looking like now that I'm the boss I got some stories for y'all about if we really want to get her into yeah. it <laughs> but um I would say the first ninety days you're just filling things out you're trying to set you're setting the tone in your reputation you're rebuilding right. everything from scratch right so like yeah. Actually, I was performing pretty badly at my prior job, but I knew I had the potential to do much more. I know. You know, I was like, get it together, girl. You got but this. But why do you feel like you were put, you weren't performing up to your like your most? I feel like self? I made like in the beginning at the first part of it. One, there was like a lot of factors going on. So the first thing that happened was once I transitioned because I did so well in my prior role. Like I felt like that reputation was supposed to follow me there. But mm. then I was on a new team. So, like, you really got to build your reputation and everything from scratch, right? All over again. Which I, in my naivety of being a young professional, didn't really understand that. Two, my boss's boss was going for a promotion. So, she started to actually take on more projects than our team could actually handle. If I had, like, understood my role a little better and was, like, actually really... She was a stickler for attention to detail. Mm. So this is what I realized. I'm not really attention to detail. I came from marketing. Marketing mm. is big picture. Marketing mm. is, like, you know, theory, get ideas. Done. Get yeah. it done. Whatever you need to do to get, get it done. done. Even if and it's, like, it out a, there. you know, get it out there. If it's a little Band-Aid, a little, you know, whatever. But sales was very numbers-heavy, very data-driven, and... She was a meticulous, a very meticulous person. And she, her team was very high performing. So once I transitioned to that environment, I really, I made like one or two mistakes, but then they were really exasperated. So then it made me feel less confident in myself. Mm. So then like I started to second guess things probably that I probably wouldn't have made a mistake on. I started making mistakes on and then mistakes got bigger and bigger. Then all of a sudden... You know, six months in, I was in her office with a list of things that, uh, probationary things that I need to do <laughs> to get myself together. And I just couldn't believe it, too, because I was always a very high-achieving person, like, mm-hmm. since Throughout high school life, girl, and stuff yeah. like that, um, college, et cetera, et cetera. So, like, this is the first time I was, like, really sinking and failing, and I just, like, didn't know what to do. Even asking for help, I, I didn't use all the tools in the toolbox to figure it out. And then I just got down to it, and I was just like, you know what? You're just not good at this job. Like that's and that's really, okay. And that's okay. And that's okay. And I just wanted to be good at everything. And I was like, honestly, you 
sometimes you're not going to be good at something. And now you know what you're not good at. And mm -hmm. that's when I Googled like the skill sets I did have and things I was strong in. And I was like, what role does this do well in? And it was like things that are customer facing, things that are like a more personality driven, big picture things. Like, so that's why it was sinking in the sinking ship. Like, I was like, you know what? Looking back at that report, I did do those things. I did it. I did it. It was me. <laughs> I did them. <laughs> I did them. It was me. I did, I, did. I, did. I did switch up numbers. It was not correct. I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, how do we have a deficit of a million? <laughs> I <did it. laughs> like, it was really bad. Yeah. But, yeah, so I was like, yeah, so that's where we kind of went a little awry there. Well, that's, well, that's... But I will say I did not speak up for myself enough, and there was some sabotaging lead things. Once she, I think what happens is, like, you're a new team, and once you are seen as a not high performer, then they start to want to get you, get rid of you anyway. Like, mm -hmm. all right, this person is a weak link. They might I've give you some that. time to like turn the ship around, but I've if seen you're not people get like low key demoted and even didn't even realize uh, yes, it. Yeah, like, like all kinds you got to see the signs. On. And like I did not, I saw the signs. Like I knew I was not under, I knew I was underperforming, but I didn't really like know what to do about it. And also, once I started, like I actually was like doing pretty decently by the time like things like kind of shuffled themselves out. But because like they was already on a mission to like, Natalia has to go. We don't know when we're going to let her go because we like her, mm -hmm. but we're going to let her go. Um, I like didn't advocate for myself enough. So what I did in my new job was every 90 days, you're learning, right? You're going to make mistakes. There's things that you're trying to figure out about an organization and stuff like that. And I addressed it head on. Like I told one of my managers, I think I was there for like six months or something, like six or seven months is my seven month in. And she started like, she wrote this like crazy email at my new job. And I was just like, I, I put a one-on-one -on, -one on her calendar. And I said, I think we got some things to talk about. Hello. <laughs> and then like, I broke it down to her. I was like, yeah. So I saw that she put this in the email. This is actually what happened behind the scenes. Like, et cetera, et cetera. Like, I saw that you wrote this. Like, this is actually what the reality is. I'm like, I'm a little off put by like how you handle that situation. And I really just want to talk so that we can move forward. So we don't ever have something like this again. In my younger career, I probably wouldn't have the confidence enough mm. to be able to do that. So like making sure like because then start they start because it starts getting a little scary though you it's know like, passive oh aggressive God, I don't want to lose my job yeah. but I don't, you, you don't, don't want to you don't compromise my integrity oh either oh my God I love that you said this so I figured out after the fifty after I was like girl you're working yourself to the bone for fifty thousand dollars <laughs> it's not that serious mm -hmm. like I was like I never want to be in a position where somebody can tell me what my financial future is gonna look like because that's really why people really hold on to jobs that mm -hmm. they don't like they be in dead end situations and working at Paramount was a dead end situation for me in that role and I needed to pivot and I did have enough financial freedom to be able to be like you know what if I do need to be unemployed for three to six months I did get severance practice so that's good you know you want to I work for a good company or a good friend, you know what I'm saying? Definitely always want to work that into you the know. picture. Um, but because they didn't want me to tell. Because, you know, sometimes corporations be doing shiesty stuff. And although they felt like they had a reason to fire me, they really, on certain grounds, didn't um, have a reason to let me go. So part of your severance is that you don't communicate exactly like what happened. I mean, I think I'm out of the terms of conditions. And okay. I really didn't name names, so it's, good. It's, it's like a yearly thing? Uh, the no, like five years after, or something yeah, like something like that. You know, I mean, as long as you don't give too much detail about gotcha, like gotcha. what yeah. happened or defame, I think it's more defamation, like, yeah, be like that company fired me for unjust reasons. Like, and no, they were if, working behind the scenes, yeah, and, and, and Barbara got together, yeah, and, and, like, and, and they colluded against me, exactly, yeah. exactly. 
yeah. I'm on BET, like, nah, bring it down. Like, yeah, no, like, no, I'm no. like, you know, like, I was underperforming, like, things happened. Things Maybe happened. things didn't, it know, wasn't the right fit anymore, you know? Yeah. So, but they do have these kind of things that you can't talk about it or whatever, so you can get your severance package. And, just letting you guys know. Um, yeah. But I did feel like for that, I wanted to be in a place where I would not have to be financially tied, tied to, to my destiny of like being happy at work was tied to my financial future or my financial stability. And I felt like that was very important to me as, as a young adult because money gives you options. Like mm-hmm. the reason why I felt like more confident to be like, okay, like one, cause I knew that whatever was the misunderstanding, like it could be clarified and not that I was in the right or wrong, but it was a misunderstanding. So let's level set. So we can both have a good experience. Employee, employer. Two, yeah, <laughs> I'm like, all right, if they fire me today, tomorrow, I've already been fired before. So that was my first time. I was mm-hmm. a little shook up, Ooh. you know? And I'm like, I have a lot to bring to the table. So actually, girls, I love this. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. <laughs> After I got laid off, I, because I had lost a little bit of self-confidence, I actually didn't realize how valuable I was on the job market. So prior to being in that role, I had worked in like research. I worked for MTV Music. Mm-hmm. I had research, sales, and marketing experience, which is very rare for somebody that young in their career to have. So when I actually started putting my resume out to like Disney, AMC, Stars, like I was getting- yeah, I remember this. Yeah, I started like getting mad up. interviews and like people like buying, like I had to like, I had two to job choose offers. between, Yeah, right. choose between companies. So that yeah. taught me a really important- thing for myself like you over here begging for this $50,000 a year job they don't appreciate you you're under, just really not the right fit for you because you're not performing your best that you could mm-hmm. and you could be somewhere else where you could be thriving yeah you know but it was something good to add to your resume it was, it was though, definitely so. something good to add to, and it's crazy that you say that because um like now that I you know got a new job or whatever I was having the same the same like I didn't I, I actually left my job I didn't quit but just being at this is a line of advice for anybody who is looking for jobs when you go to a job learn as much like ingest everything that you can learn that is, a, that, that is because very true. when you put that on your resume your people be snatching and grabbing and want you like i had two job offers too and the thing about it is that i took the higher one even though you know i had my heart was with another one but like i said my resume spoke for itself. They were like, you're doing this, you're doing this, you're doing this, you're doing this. Oh my God, you do all of this? Yeah. Because when I was at my job, that was the one, Elba, you the boss. Because <laughs> when I tell you she gave me the opportunity to learn so much, and if your boss is asking you to do something, within reason, and if you can learn and get it and ingest it, take it on. Because when you put that on your resume, baby, like the first thing you say, oh, you know how to do this? Oh, so how do you break this down? Because most of the time, they asking you and they want to know that you can do it. Yeah. Yeah, because I used to be, I'm going to be honest, because like I was like used to doing like the basics. Like, okay, I was doing I'm just going to do that. my job. Yeah. And then like when I got thrown into like sales, I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, I don't know what I'm doing. And then I just had to be like, you know what? Like, just wing it. Like, try to make something go. And like, I started learning more about it. And then I got more into it. And I was just like, I could do this. Like, you you can't even tell me, you can't tell me anything about it now at this point or whatever. But like, I just also feel like too, like, you definitely have to advocate for yourself. Mm-hmm. And like, even though I'm vocal, it is a scary thing to like, the, just the workplace is just I don't know what it is about it, but it just is a little fear of like, oh my God, like I wonder what's what's gonna happen because like you the know unknown. you never know like so like even when I was like 
trying to like get this, like my salary. It was, I mean, like not my salary, but like a raise or whatever. I was just like, this is a super huge increase, but I know I'm worth it. And like, I really had like a super breakdown at work. I was like, oh my God, like I got to find a new job. So then I started like, you know, and my mom, you know, she is my lawyer. Like, I'm never going to hold you. Mom, good moms. She is like my lawyer. Like, I called her and I was just like, I was freaking out. I was like, you know, I'm not really, I'm not really like, you know, I don't think I, I think I can get another job. Don't get me wrong. But it's just the fear of like knowing that I have to like, you know, move on if like they just don't value me here. Like, I can't, you just yeah. always be valued though. Like, never always like, ugly even value. though it's not like, you know, you're not the owner of the company or whatever. They people should make you feel like what you're doing at this job is an asset. Yeah. Agreed. And it, just you saying that, like you taking up sales, you were able to, like you know, use that as leverage, like to get what you wanted out of the job. Like, yo, listen, I've been doing this. I've learned how to do this. So now, now that I've learned how to do all of these things, now I need to get my pay increase because I am now an asset. I am now something that I am a total package that you have created and now you should be paying me to be this total package that's why like when you go to these jobs learn what you can don't do just the bare minimum because a bare minimum Agreed. don't get you raises bare minimum do not get you promotions it don't get you looked that at is a it don't get you nowhere it just gets you you know what this person is a person that comes to work but guess what I'll never see her as a manager you know why because she doesn't go above and beyond she's not willing to stay late she's not willing to do any of that I don't want to be a manager I don't want to manage people but then it was like no like I'd like why am I demoting that's myself? That's the only way yes. you can you know, step like, up. People, I don't know. Okay, how do you guys feel about this? The soft life. Soft life craze. We all that people, <laughs> people, people down hard into the soft life. They talking about um quiet quitting, all mm-hmm. these things. I'm like, you're silly. I'm sorry. I don't believe I, it. I, I I like the soft life in self-care, but like they're realistic. Come cares. on, man. You say here talking about soft quitting. Girl, you need this job to pay your bills. Like, why are you fumbling your bag because you feel like you feel like oh you're overworked. Find something else, but you never quit one job before you get the other one. What's wrong with you? Yeah, like, I'm not. I'm not. I'm really not into that. Like, you know, I definitely feel as though you know you need to put your best foot forward. Because I was cool on. with doing bare minimum. I'm not even gonna hold you. So I'm speaking from a place of I know what it is. Like, a bare minimum wasn't getting me anywhere. It wasn't getting me the money that I needed. Like, it was just like, ooh, very content with what whatever the hell was going on. And I had to I had to wake up and be like, you know what? I have to throw myself into this. Like, I'm learning ten times more than what I'm actually like supposed to. When you start know, enjoying like, your job where you where you actually take the time to like do the job. Like you start to like what you're doing because it's like, you know what? I'm not doing the bare minimum. I'm actually doing something. I'm actually feeling like you have a purpose. You're accomplishing something. You're actually building the team. You're building the, you're doing the legwork. So you end up like when I really started like doing my job to the full of my, the the fullness of my ability, I really started to enjoy it. Like, oh wow, I want to hurry up and get all this stuff done before the end of the day. Like you want to accomplish your to-do list. I don't care what's not done in here. Like, and it's no, you know what's so crazy? When I did get my promotion, they were like, you, you know, you can't just run out and leave at four o'clock, like, you know, kind of thing. Like they fucking <laughs> okay, they, like, like, they like pump the brakes. Yeah. Pump the brakes. You gotta do your that. job. You gotta you gotta but do it. I also to told them too, like, you know, like, are you, you know, because I I had to learn this too from like one of my coworkers. Are you paying me for the work? Are you paying me for how many hours I'm here? You know, like, and so I had to let them know, like. 
there was a point, like before I asked for this, the the raise, I was actually like staying and making sure that things were done. So like, bef- you know, I had already transitioned before I came to this, to this, you know, realization. So I asked him, I'm like, you know, if I leave here at four, that's because there's, I've completed everything and whatever needs to be done for the next day is not an urgent matter. Like I'm never going to just leave. I'm not just leaving because, you know, it's my time to leave. Like I'm making sure things are done. Yeah. But I did want to transition into your real estate life, girl. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Real estate walker. All right. So I want to know, like, you know, what do you feel like? How did you start getting into like what made you want to become, you know, an owner? So I feel like one, I feel like I grew up around like a lot of home ownership, but Mm -hmm. I think something that really like took the cake for me was I had a summer internship at a, when I was a senior going into my freshman year of college at a place called the Neighborhood Housing Services. And there's a New York City that governs all of New York City and there's uh, Brooklyn. I think there's one in each borough, but their job was to help people become first time homeowners. And my job as an intern, which I feel like was a lot of responsibility on a high school student, <laughs> was I was betting the people to see if they would be able to um, um, qualify for like our first time homeowners workshop. And at that time, I think we graduated high school in 2010. Mm-hmm. 08 was the housing crash. So what happened was that Neighborhood Housing Services was contracted by, I believe, the New York State. I mean, New York City to be hold actual real estate itself. So, and they were trying to develop um, what they call a low income neighborhoods, which mm-hmm. I have a little problem with that phrase, but whatever. Um, so, like, there was like houses in Bed Stuy, there was houses in um, Brownsville, East New York that they actually had the inventory for, and they was they were selling them to first time homeowners from kind of those neighborhoods for like a third of the price. So, my job was like to vet through all the files, any incoming calls or increase that came in, and then they would also part of the. In- internship well I guess this was just like they needed somebody to do this but Mm -hmm. they would he would take me on my manager would take me on rides with him for us to check the properties so I was just like okay this is amazing like I'm in the first yeah like I love this like this is amazing like oh my god like just so much and and also like the combination between like small businesses and real estate Mm -hmm. so one of the programs they have was for mixed use properties, which is when you have a commercial unit that's a business unit and a residential unit as well. So basically, these would be small business owners. They would be transitioning them into homeowners by having their business on the the commercial part. And then they also had um, multifamily dwellings. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Mm. So like they would have an apartment inside the building. They would be able to rent one apartment out and then they were able to run their businesses at the bottom part Mm. of it. Okay. And I was just like, wow, like this is like transformational, honestly. And I was like, I want to be a part of this. Honestly, okay this is really bad because he turned out to be a really horrible president and a person but I used to read Donald Trump's real estate books Mm -hmm. and just try to learn about deals and negotiations when I was in high school by the time I got to college like I wanted to get my real estate license I was a little lazy with that and didn't end up doing it but I knew I wanted to become a homeowner at least by the age of 26 so I started to save up money from like my first paychecks in high school I would say let me tell y'all something. This Natalia is going to save a coin. Follow Walker Finance because she's going to help you save, save a coin. Yes, I was like saving all my money. I had like three jobs in college. I wish I was on this type of time Because you really be mapping stuff out. You be like, all right, this is going to do this and that and how no. cool I have this yes. to, yeah, like you like, really You got to count your coins. Out. Like I was very like conscious about money. Like, and like, okay, this is coming in. This is coming out. By the time I graduated from college, I had like $10,000 that I had saved. But then also I would say this is the power of like family planning and estate planning 
Um, tragically, my dad and my stepfather ended up dying when I was in high school. Um, but I, they um, both kind of left me money from that. So my mom wouldn't let me touch some of the money until I was like 22 or so. Um, but my the money my stepfather gave me, that was 10000 So I put that in like a money market account, a CD. So then by the time I graduated, I had maybe like $30,000 basically mm. that to be able to start to hunt for properties. But, you know, I wish we were going to the college in 2008 because mm. I would have really been able to get more for my mm -hmm. money. But by the time I graduated, the New York real estate market was quite expensive. And somehow people just got put onto Brooklyn. Right. And Brooklyn became so expensive. To buy a home in Brooklyn was quite a lot of money. And I was kind of priced out was getting priced out of the, the market. So I went back to Neighborhood Housing Services and they actually have a first-time homeowners grant program and it still mm. runs to this day. It is an income cap to it. So it was really good that it was early on in my career. You have to make, at that time you had to make $60,000 or below to be able to qualify. Now <laughs> now it's like 72, 78 or something, like pushing almost 80,000 mm. um, to be able to qualify for their grant program. <laughs> <laughs> like they increased it, but it's like to help like more lower income New Yorkers to uh -huh. be able to navigate. But there's different grant programs. That's just one of them. There's different grant programs throughout mm. New York City. Because I know Shayla did NACA. Yeah, Shayla yeah. did NACA, which is no money down, um, where you don't have to put any money down. And they help you to also buy down your interest rates, which is important now because I think like the average interest rate is like 4 to 5%. Mm. There's also, I know they were in the news recently with all the bank colossals. I don't know if people have heard about it with Silicon Valley Bank and stuff like that. Yeah. My bank that helped me get my condo was First Republic Bank. They're also in some type of... I got to really look into it. Actually, I need to look into it a little bit more because my mortgage is still with them. Mm. But they have a program called the Eagle Loan, which is only 3.775% interest rate on your loan. So that's okay. very rare now. Mm -hmm. Like Interest rates are around 5%, which is very, very high. That can like double the amount of money you need to yeah, pay in your mortgage. Um, so I was able to do that. And I was also able to find... This is an OG New York thing, but it's called HDFC. And basically what happened when New York was burning down in the 80s and 90s, basically landlords um, abandoned their, their property because New York was like running havoc. And what happened was that, similar to what we were talking about earlier in the podcast, is community. The people that were left over, the tenants that were left over, they took their buildings back and they started to create co-ops and condos. And then by the time we get to like the late 90s when New York starts to recover from like, you know, crack epidemic, bankruptcy, all the stuff that was happening all in New York. All the wild things. It was all the wild <laughs> things. Everything was everything that could happen was happening in New York. The tenants um, vow, um, vouch to take the ownership of their buildings into their own hands. Mm -hmm. So the city mm -hmm. verified. So I feel like you just gave us a little history on co-ops and condos. Co-ops and yeah. condos in New York. Um, so they still exist to this day, which people don't know about. And the co-ops and condos, I have a condo, which was part of the first HDFC um, in Ocean Hill. And they were built in 1992, my year when I was born. So I was like, this is destined. This is supposed <laughs> to happen. And they were, a lot of times, because they were people managed, these are the first time people became first time homeowners and stuff like that. There's a few rules to them. So there's some in Crown Heights still. There's some in Harlem. Um, I've seen the ones in Harlem. Some in Harlem. And then there's some in like East New York and um, Ocean Hill. Mm -hmm. And maybe a few in Bed-Stuy, like the back of bed The Bed-Stuy coming into I feel East like New York. like they have the least condos that are like all... Because maybe because they have more so, so homes. You know what? When you... Actually, this is what I thought too, but a lot... You ever see those like row apartments? Yeah. Some of those are actually not apartments. Those are actually co-ops and condos. Really? Yeah. Okay. They look like houses, but like like two-story, um, two to three stories. Are you saying like those? No, or? like, you know, like those kind of... They, they're they in... um, 
Flatbush too. Like they're kind of like big, like apartment buildings, and they seem like they're apartment buildings, but some of them. Are, I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they're actually co-ops and condos owned mm-hmm. that are owned by. We gotta talk because yes. no, because they have like I know what you're talking about, but go yes, ahead. but I know what you're talking about too, like the two row mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So with those, there's a few rules and regulations to them. Some of them have the stipulation, and this might work out better for more high-income earners. Because New York's um, average income is much higher now, you can make like $150,000, $125,000 a year and qualify. But the thing, the catch-22 is the people have to sell it at a third of the market rate, no matter when they came in. So because the city decided to convert your building over into a co-op and condo, now any other person that buys and sells in that building has to sell it at the third of market rate. So it allows, it continues the legacy of letting like New Yorkers be able to afford those houses. Mm. What is starting to happen now, because a lot of New Yorkers don't know about it, is that people from other um, ethnicities and backgrounds that are first generation, um, not first generation, I'm sorry, have first generation or second generation money are buying those apartments all cash. So they'll meet the financial requirements. So let's say like, I don't want to be stereotypical, but let's say like Becca, she mm-hmm. like, she's from like Westchester County. Mm-hmm. Her parents are in finance. They have a lot of cash on hand. Because she is still an early professional like us, she's making 60000 but her family's wealth is more than that. So they can pay cash for that apartment, gotcha. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, but I've been, I've actually was talking to someone about that cause, because um, they were saying like, you know, even if your parents are to give you the money in cash, it has to be sitting there for a good period of time because a lot of people are doing that specifically. But it's not illegal to do that. So it's called a gift. Yeah, so you, you can. So you, the cash doesn't have to sit for any amount of time unless it's like on legal tender. Yeah, you know, nah. to, <laughs> no, no, no. That's the like thing. That. that that's the thing. That's what uh, somebody I know was saying. She was saying like, you know, she got the cash as a gift, but mm-hmm. they said it has to be sitting in that account for at least six months. Um, I don't know about that because typically, because I also um received a slight gift too to help pay for my apartment, and as long as the funds are there, the bank will take it. Mm. Um, so I don't know about that part, but. As long as the money is transferred as a gift, it doesn't need to sit for a certain amount of time inside your account because it's considered a gift at, mm-hmm. at the end of the day. So right. there's no illegal verifications unless, of course, the money is not clean. Right. That's why oh, when people oh, oh, like, oh, oh, no, no. Not that like cash app has, has She like don't want to tax, um, get it taxed. taxed oh, tax. Okay. okay. Yes, 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 yes. yes so yes, it's not taxed. Yes. So there is some verifications around tax and stuff like that. Gifts are typically untaxed, but if your parents like sell their house, and then they're giving you part of their returns as a gift to help you buy your house, then there might be some stipulation time that they have to wait in order to transfer funds. Mm -hmm. Um, But all that to say that the HDF seats are a great way if you want to buy an apartment in New York to get it kind of under a little bit of market rate of value. The downside, of course, is that you, when you're ready to sell it, you have to sell it at a third. Another one of my uh, my godmothers, she bought her co-op in Park Slope. And they have a different system where you pay into, you have a share, which is what co-ops are, their shares. Mm-hmm. And then you pay like a certain big down payment back. And then you are able to, when it's your time to sell it, you get a percentage of it, but you don't get the whole amount. Mine's is a full regular. So like I can buy it at market rate, I can sell it at market rate. But what a lot of people don't tell you about these type of deals is that because they were ran by people that, you know, first generation homeowners, sometimes the building, the buildings got mismanaged. So there's like some deficits in the buildings. Mm. And now you can still get deals on the buildings 
and the apartments in them. So I was able to get a deal on my building because they were going through some financial hardship and stuff like that. You know, I was like negotiating, like, no, this is about to blow up. (laughs) So I was able to get a um, discount. Also, what I was able to do, and you can do this with regular homes too, is writing letters to the homeowners. Because a lot of times, you know, our brown and black people, we want to see our neighborhoods, you know, right. you know, they left us in squalor. And then now that, you know, our neighborhoods are thriving and stuff like that, other, back you and know, it's like, they mm-hmm. want to come back and stuff like that. But, you know, there's people that are like, no, like I want to sell to another black homeowner. I want to sell to another brown Latino mm-hmm. um, homeowner. So you can write them letters. And I wrote her a letter telling her, like, I grew up in Best Eye my whole life, basically. And I want to stay in the neighborhood. And I would really like, she went to sell it to me for like 375000 I like did the mortgage calculation. I was like, Home, I cannot afford that. It's not gonna not gonna work out. And I was like, if you can sell it to me at this price, like I am happy to move forward with the deal. And then she took it because she bought it. I saw like in the records, they bought it for like fifty thousand in the nineties. So she's mm-hmm. sure it came she, up. It's a come up. A and she could have waited it out too to get a higher price owner. Yeah, but that neighborhood is like yeah, you know no. very it's, it's starting to blossom now. Mm-hmm. So. But she cared who bought it. Mm-hmm. So I would say that's my tips to like New Yorkers trying to buy homes. One, NACA is a great program. You have to be very patient with the NACA program. It might take a year or two for that to process. Bank of America also has a program that they started um, with it's no money down. New, right? It's fairly new. They have two programs. So no money down program and then a homeowner uh, assistance program as well. And they will also pay for your closing costs mm. um, for that. But I think home ownership is very important. So important. And... Real estate investing is also important too, but it's not easy being a landlord. I'm not gonna lie. Let me like, tell you something, because I mean, you gotta first of all, you gotta get on your knees, hope and pray that they not late. No, no, not even not the paying. Like people are nasty. That's <laughs> like true. you gotta hope that the money that you've invested into this property. Yeah, is that's true. you know can sustain you through maybe another tenant, like you know. Yeah, um, it's so true. like true. I don't know. My parents have have experienced that and I saw like firsthand how like people just don't value like yeah you know um and I'm not saying that I haven't I'm not saying that I've been like you know I've been in an apartment before where like I had a roommate that was like legit wanted to be like the Hulk and was punching holes in the wall stuff like that like just imagine those yeah. kind of things happening it's, it's, to you it's, like it's just like I'm when my parents are going through it I just felt like I don't know. We just couldn't get good tenants. And they kind of like, we're just like, you know what? I'm over yeah. it. Like, yeah. we're moving on. My, yeah, my dad my dad is doing it now. And, you know, he did. He went through like a good vetting process, you know, just paying attention to the little details. And he was like, you know, I almost got got by this one lady. So, you know, I had to vet her real quick. And I was just like. Even if you it's vet crazy. them, some, you just you never just know. Never you just have really know. a gamble. Never know. Like, so I, after I bought the Brooklyn one, I ended up buying a property in Philadelphia and owning property in another state is like a whole nother obstacle in yeah. itself. I've been feeling yes. like every single other month. I'm like, oh my God. But if I had a property management company, that probably wouldn't be the case, but I'm trying to, you know, save a ma- coin. Save coin. Yeah. Maximize all my profit. Yeah, though. I'm trying to maximize all my profit. But tenants, they can just be very annoying. Like right now, my tenant just left. She was complaining about everything. Like, and I felt like they was trying to like build up a case to sue me, right? Because you become liable for anything that happens to them like around inside the apartment. And I have not had a tenant for like two or three months. Honestly, it's the most peaceful I felt in a while. <laughs> like she was stressing me out. Like, like I was having, what? I had a dream about her one time I was like oh yeah she gotta go you know what's so like, crazy <laughs> <laughs> yeah. she gotta go she, yeah, she infiltrated sure. my sleep yeah, no. yeah. <laughs> she was me yeah. out so bad like what is going on girl you gotta go you and your mama we in a group chat with me her and her mama it was too much 
Really? Like, so what were her, some of the things that... So her mom was paying her rent for her, which mm-hmm. is another, like, if you have a grantor, that's what they call Gar- it. Yeah, guarantor. I've, guarantor. Been, I've been a guarantee mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. before, so... And parents are paying their rent, like, everybody just needs to be on the same page. And I felt like there... It was a Philadelphia. It was like... Um, I would say my apartment is, like, okay. Like, a beginner's apartment. Maybe, like, something good for... Um, a, a, recent young grad, adult, a young adult, a young adult, yeah. Okay. So she was a recent grad, maybe like two or three years out of college, but like they just had luxury apartment expectations. An apartment that I would consider like if you had to do A B C level, it's probably like a B C apartment. Like mm-hmm. it's it's gonna give you the basics. Mm-hmm. It's gonna give you housing and shelter, and it's gonna give you a little gentrified feel, you know. But mm-hmm. it's not it's not an A apartment, mm-hmm. you know. Okay. So her your rent is like nine fifty a month, which is considerably like low. low. And she is just, like, complaining about everything. I remember, and it's a house, too. So I have a house duplex. Mm-hmm. So it's not going to be, like, a regular apartment building. But she was just, like, she called me one time. She was, like, yeah, I think um, something's wrong with the electricity because the light bulb went out in the front of the porch. I get there. I turn the light bulb. I'm, like, did you try to turn the light bulb? Okay. What, what are we doing here? One time mm-hmm. she got caught in the rain. No, she had started a new job. And she was looking for parking and she had been job searching when she first moved into the apartment. So she never came home after 6 p.m. Her and her mama calling me on three-way talking about Lauren can't find, oh, sorry, Lolo, can't find a (laughs) parking space. And I'm just like, why is that my personal problem? Why are y'all calling me? And we do have a garage in the back. So I'm like trying to figure out, do you want to like park in the back? What's going on? Then there was talking about something that was wrong with the hot water. I get to the apartment, test out the water. One, I took a shower in the apartment. I lived in the apartment for like one or two days. So yeah, so you can see what Feel it in, you know. Yeah. And I think that's a good idea, actually. You know, fill it out, you know. So I'm like, I took a shower in there. If it was like cold water, I would have already like known. So then I go test the water. I'm like, Lolo, like, why would you say that the there's no hot water? There's hot water. She's like, it wasn't as hot as I would like it. I said, oh, no. This is, not, this is, not a is that something that you can't fix from afar? Like, you know. So some of it I can fix from afar. So I started to build out like a um, maintenance a team. A network. Yeah, yeah. network and a maintenance team. And you would typically have that if you had a property manager on of site. Of course. But yeah. I didn't have a property manager on site because I was being a property manager from afar. Mm-hmm. Um, but some things it's like I need to be able to go there to like figure out like, is this a small problem or a big problem? So like, but a light bulb is so crazy. The light bulb just switch it. That was part of the. There was a few things she complained about, so then I need to go down there, and then the light bulb was one of them. So I was like, okay, some of them were legit complaints. Cause two is good for your. I would say double foe for any like new landlords or people thinking about becoming landlords. If your tenants are complaining, I have discovered from being a landlord for like five or six years now that there's probably something wrong. Like, mm-hmm. if it's small wrong, big wrong, there's something going on. Because I couldn't tell in the beginning or not, like, are they being dramatic? Like, mm-hmm. are they trying to stress me out? But <laughs> conclusion is there's something wrong. Mm-hmm. How big or small it is and how much is their responsibility and yours is the balance that you try to figure out along your landlordship of life, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. So some of the things you complained about were legit. Like, there was something going on. Um, the contractor that I had um, hired to re- renovate the house... For, um, a plumber told me that basically the nozzle that brings you all the way to extremely hot water, it was only installed to get to like the medium hot. 
So that's why she wasn't getting hottest, the hottest water. But it was burn your skin hot. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. You know, everybody likes it. It's a preference thing. Mm -hmm. So for me, when I tested it out, I'm like, okay, this is like significantly hot water. Like, but for her, she had some type of injury. So she was using like the bath as a therapeutic. Mm -hmm. Like, girl, it's not my fault. You wanted to be a spa, Mm -hmm. a sauna up in here. Like, you know? (laughs) So there was something wrong, right? So the pump was able to fix it and adjourn the knob to all the way to the scaffolding side of it. Mm So, legit issue. But some things are just like, okay, girl, what is going on? Like, honestly, I took a real estate investing course and they basically said, like, don't call yourself a landlord. Like, you're, you are managing people, honestly, at the end of the day. Like, that's right. what it really comes down to. And, like, that's what I learned the most, like, this past year of, like, managing property in mm-hmm. Philadelphia. Because at the end of the day, her parents were a grantor because she had lost her job. No, she had she had an injury. She had a car accident, so she couldn't work. So her okay. parents were trying to help her get back on her, her feet. Her feet. Two, she was like a young professional. Like all of us, she went to college. She had had like viable jobs. She actually had lived in Brooklyn for some time by herself. So there was an emotion. She was a good candidate. She okay. she was a good candidate on the paper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Before they started complaining, you yeah. know. <laughs> um, and what I realized was that. As she was trying to do her job search, she was becoming down and depressed, you know? So, mm-hmm. like, if you're in the house all day... You start noticing You start things. noticing things, yes. right? You're going to see things. And then, two, like, now I'm not only a landlord. I'm a therapist because I'm on a three-way, not only about the drop... Her can't find a parking space, where she's big age as this, trying to find a parking space. <laughs> but, two, like, now she's not getting a job, right? So then she might be, like, she's trying to let the um, AVAC, HVAC team in, but then she's, like, crying. I'm like, okay, all right, we're on three-way. She's crying. Mommy's on the line. I'm like, she's like, yeah, because you know, Lori can't find a job. Do you know any jobs? And now I'm also um, an employ- employment agency. Mm-hmm. You know, like, there's just a <laughs> lot of that I put up. Yeah. You, you helped her? Did you? No, I was giving some suggestions. Some, okay. Some, some like, <laughs> suggestions of what could be. Yeah, up your little LinkedIn profile, you know, baby. Girl, Do this. You know, like, and yeah. then I, I was laid off before when I, I was, know, like, you, you know, know the struggle. Career, so I know the struggle, mm-hmm. you know. And then when I would come to visit her, she'd be playing Kurt Franklin. I'm like, she a girl's girl like us, know. you know. But yeah. y'all complain too much. Y'all stress me. I'm having dreams about it. Now, like, I gotta go. So we had this split ways, but like that's what I learned. Like it's a people business at the end of the day, right. and what helps you to vet good tenants is like one. My mom always tells me because she's a, a property owner as well, and she's just like, you gotta interview them. You gotta interview them, asking tough questions, learning about their backgrounds. They are living in your property as well, and there's nothing wrong with asking these questions. Mm-hmm. You nothing just, wrong. It's you become a manager of people. So like honestly, it could get very exhausting. Like sometimes I think every day like. I thought I was gonna build my fortune on real estate, but I have some reservations now just after like being so involved. Also, the property itself, like properties are like living, breathing things. So like Oh my God, it's always something. Always something. Like something (laughs) can break down and it could cause very, very, very expensive. I remember when this guy, uh, this Russian guy came to my apartment in um, Brooklyn that I rent out, and he was just like, Oh, like you seem like young or whatever. Like, do you have a lot of cash flow on hand? I'm like, my hands, yeah, you know, but, my business. <laughs> but it is a very cash inducive business because like, let's say like in the Philadelphia house, the water heater is old. So now it's starting to break down a little bit. So now a water heater is a easily lot, three, yeah. $5,000 mm-hmm. off the bat. And it's like, if you neglect certain things or wait too long to fix them, Jeez Louise. This past summer, I had a fly infestation in the basement. Wow. From what? It's was called, a water leak? No, it's called cluster flies. So, like, if one or two of them get in, they, like, start to, like, reproduce in clusters. So, I, literally, it's the most flies I've ever seen in my whole life. Thousands of flies just 
in my basement just chilling. Just <laughs> I was like, oh my God, what is going on here? Um, and then I think as a person, if you're thinking about getting into real estate, what kind of real estate do you want to hold? Do you want to hold condos or do you want to hold houses? Because this mm. is the first time I actually have a house. Like my first purchase was a condo. So a lot of the maintenance things are kind of on the condo to be able to maintain from the exterior of the building. And I did a new renovation. So there's not too much things inside that need to be fixed. With the house, you're in charge of all parts and the mechanical mm-hmm. operations of the house. So this is like my first time like actually having a whole building that I have to manage. And then I have two units. So like two different tenants, two different personalities. I was thinking about converting the basement into like another apartment unit. And my mm-hmm. realtor, he was like, do you really want three of your tenants living in one building to coheres against you? I was yeah. like, yeah, you're right. You're right about that. You, you know what's the crazy? Because I'm I'm looking into like, you know, investing into real estate. And I just, you know, I also am looking at handy courses as well. Because I do. I'm, I'm I just like, app. you know, because mm-hmm. I want to be able to. And, and this is just like a little sidebar because like I always like I'm obsessed with like end of the world movies. And I'm like, I got to learn these things, how to do this, build this. But it also comes with like knowing so that it can also save you some costs as well. Like, you yeah. know, I, you know, like, and my dad's pretty handy and I, I've never thought to myself, like, why don't you just like soak this, soak this up? Like, you know, mm. like, um, but a hundred percent, like I have become Mrs. Bob the builder. Mm-hmm. Cause one, a lot of times as a woman, like people that, um, what do you call it? People that, um, Repair things. Oh, they try they to have, get you. They try girl. to get you. They try just, to upcharge you. Upcharge like cars you. and stuff. Like it's just like I'm like I'm going back and forth. Like I'm the man because I'm on the phone with my dad. Like how much you think they should charge me? What should I say? When I come through, I'm be like, oh, I yes, got this. You like, have to. You got to be a shark. When she was when we were trying to figure out what was going on with the hot water, a plumber quoted me three hundred dollars just to come on site. I said that's not even to fix anything, just mm-hmm. to come and see what's no. going on. So that's when you start hanging out in Home Depot a lot. And you start to learn a lot from the... Because a lot of times, who's hanging out in Home Depot? Contractors. Right. They're keep, in the parking lot. Par- parking they're lot. In certain, they're in certain roles in Home Depot. Like, yes. oh, I can help with that. I'm yes. like, oh, for real? Come yes. on. They're so, looking for clients as well. They're looking for clients <clears throat> as well. And they will tell you, like, when I talked to one of the Home Depot attendants, I was just like, yeah, like... She kept she complaining, talking about the sink is clogged. I'm like, honey, you just got to get some Drano. But, mm-hmm. you know, everybody, everybody's not as YouTube savvy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, okay, what do I need to do if the sink is clogged? And, they, and then a couple, mm-hmm. they actually own real estate as well. And you start meeting people, you start networking yeah. at Home Depot. And they were saying like, oh, like, don't use Drano as much because it actually can, can destroy can, yeah, can okay. your pipes and your drain. So you should actually get a snake. And they've like learned. And then in Home Depot, I learned how to snake a drain. Mm-hmm. So now I'm coming to... With Philadelphia your lo- with my little snake rag, like, mm-hmm. and then I told my mother a thing or two. You know, I'm like, now we don't gotta call the company for that. I learned how to do that, so I feel like it's very empowering. Yeah. You know, you gotta distinguish what you can do and what a professional, right? Because I'm not you want to make it worse. I'm not yeah. over here like uh, playing with wiring and stuff like that. But like, no. you know, but like small things, thing. and then that would have been like a hundred fifty dollar, two hundred dollar visit from um, the plumber. The next thing I want to learn is how to do the key locks and exchanges. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. that does. Because the, the locksmith get a little expensive. Okay, okay. locksmith a little pricey. Because after each tenant, aren't you changing the locks? Like? I have not. So she just left. I saw mm-hmm. my a tenant from last summer. She's mm-hmm. still there in apartment two. 
Um, but apartment one, I don't know if I'm going to change it. She seemed like a pretty honest person. And she didn't like the apartment so much. She complained every day. So I don't think she'll be coming back. For <laughs> I'm dead. She so seems funny. to have enjoyed her experience there. Um, so I think we'll be good. Maybe after this one, I'll change the locks again. For okay. That. So we got to, I know we got to wrap up soon. But I did want to ask you one question though. Like, um, as a young black professional, how do you feel like the dating scene is? The dating scene is so interesting. So me and my ex, we broke up like fall of 2021, mm-hmm. and it has been a roller coaster ever since. You, this pissing and... in, the, in the pool, man. It's <laughs> pissing the dating pool. I don't know. I had some good experiences, and I've had some very interesting experiences. I don't think I've had any bad experiences okay. as of yet. So I would say one. If you are very popular on Instagram, I'm not. I'm just, you know, I got my little cute following or whatever. But right. everybody, ha- it doesn't matter how small or big your following is, you got mm-hmm. fans. Everybody got, every woman yeah. got fans. The person that's giving you the hard eyes and the stories, I will watch dating your friend, your fans because they have like some type of perception of you on social media that's not maybe adding up to the reality of who you really are. Mm-hmm. Right. Two, I've met a lot of nice guys, but I feel like you need to have like what you are looking for because I know for me, like I've dated some nice guys and then I'm like, okay. He's not making enough. Or he's not. He's not yeah. up to par. He's Maybe not, like he's his not, ambitions aren't big enough. Like, ma- they, they, like their standards are too high, or are they reasonable? Um, I feel like my. I'm also a builder. Like, okay, like we got some clay. We can. I'm a. I'm a pot <laughs> builder. So I'm like, okay. There's. I would say like. I think the most important lesson I learned from myself is like. Just because somebody's super into you, I think there's a guilt that comes with like Ooh. wanting to like stay with that person. Like, oh, they're safe. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a safe person for me to be with. Like, I know they're going to be so into me, but then you're not just that into them. So it's like, yeah. cut it off. This is the second time I had to learn that lesson again. <laughs> um, and then I would I'm say- not, I'm just not that into you. Um, I would say that for me in particular, like the first year I wasn't like really looking for anything serious. Um, but I think I'm- I, joint you know it's a little boo whatever you know but the first year I was dating I really wasn't looking for anything serious um but I would say for women I don't know I'm a you know a cuffer I love being in a relationship and you should know that about yourself you need to know about yourself like oh yeah just gonna see what happens nope not playing them games no more you you gotta know you if you are like that you can be like that but if you're not like that I would like Definitely cut the game short because I know like there's somebody like maybe I really like, but then there's somebody else that comes from the end zone like okay, whoop, scoopy doopy doop. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, fine. Like I'll just go out on some dates with them, just see where things happen. They used to actually catch your feelings for that person. Like oh, what are like anytime you got a what are we conversation, we right. are nothing um, at that point. And that is what I kind of discovered in the dating realm. But I feel like. Dating can be fun. You know, I feel like dating is fun. I feel like it can be very stressful mm-hmm. and. It's just a good way to get... I always like to network. Like, that's how I consider dating. I'm also, like, my love language is, like, acts of service. So, like, most men that, like, talk to me or deal with me, like, they got to be trying to help seeds in some type of way. Like, okay, you know, I spend most of my time helping black and brown girls. Mm-hmm. What are you contributing to that? Right. How are you trying to help this little... Because I'm trying to get imp- ready for, for mm-hmm. them to go on a college tour. Are you helping me gather the like, supplies? And they, like- was, these men have been extremely helpful, putting me onto partnerships, like helping me, contributing. So I feel like I've expanded like a good network of like people that are like very supportive, even mm-hmm. if it didn't it work out. out. Mm-hmm. Um, there's only That's very important. few people I had to cut off or block, you know. But yeah, I think like I found a little, you know, something special recently. Okay. So. Okay. Okay, I love we'll that for see. you. We'll see how that goes, you know. But 
Okay. Yeah, we do got to wrap up. We got to wrap up. Did you want to plug anything in? Yeah. So if you do have any young people, um, we are giving away a $10,000 scholarship. We have mm-hmm. an entrepreneurship competition um, that the girls can be a part of for this summer. And then the top 20. Um, when does it start in then? It starts June 7th, which is my birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, so the application will close May 1st. Okay. Um, for students to be able to apply. And the top 20 get flew out to Miami. Right. Flew out. Flew out. Okay. So, yes, if you have any young people, amazing young people that you think could not doing nothing this summer, okay. need to be putting some skills to work, have them apply. And what um, what's what the they, age range? They need to be rising seniors in high school. Okay. And this is just females? Females. Yes. All over the country, though. Mm-hmm. Okay. They can apply. And... Um, Plug yourself, like, witty. Oh, yes. And then you can follow me at Natalia Walker, also aka known as Walker Finances, mm-hmm. at Seeds of Fortune. Follow our page. And I am available if you want to email me. No, call me on hotline. Uh, <laughs> hello at seedsoffortune.org. Mm-hmm. If you want to connect with her. Connect, connect. Listen, thank you so much. This was yeah. definitely a very informational mm-hmm. episode with a little bit of splash of fun. And, I- <laughs> um, and we are so happy to have you here. We've been thank friends you. with Natalia. Well, Kill has been friends with Natalia longer than I have. Yes, to really wrap it up, I just want to say, Taya, I love you, of course, you know. But, you know, um, I find that you're a very inspirational person Mm -hmm. and I'm always proud of you and your endeavors and you're an amazing person. And, you know, good things happen for you because you're a good Good person. person. And I'm happy to call you a friend. Gang, 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 gang. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But like I said, like I always say, thank you guys for listening um, make sure you like, share, and subscribe. You know, mm-hmm. tell a friend to tell a friend. Um, drop something in the comments. If you have anything that you guys want to talk to us about, you know our email at heardyoucispodcast at gmail.com. And follow us on all socials at heardyoucispodcast. Thanks, guys. See you next time. Oh,